This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we're 11 days from NLL opening weekend. That means all nine NLL rosters have been submitted. We'll let you know who did and who didn't make it. Andrew McBride will stop in and tell us what's good in Roughnecks land. Unfortunately, still no West Burke. And on Wednesday, the Philadelphia Wings could very well be the Philadelphia Wings. All that and more on OTCB. What's good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Of course, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. It's been a while since we've chatted. It's good to be back. And being back means we're that much closer to kicking off the season on December 8th, officially 11 days away. Pick your favorite player that's worn number 11. We're that many days away. I'm going to go with Jamie Roy. We're Jamie Roy days away from opening weekend. There'll be three games on Friday, one on Saturday, and things will get kicked off as the Georgia Swarm will get set to defend their title, and everyone will try and hunt them down. We know all nine rosters. We'll touch base on each one of them with some highs and some lows, maybe some surprises. As mentioned, Andrew McBride is going to stop by. The Philadelphia Blanks will finally have a name tomorrow. It has to be the Wings. I keep saying it has to be the Wings, right? If it's anything but the Wings, how do you feel? If they go with the Philadelphia Fire or the Philadelphia Founders, I think that was the other name. Are you going to be upset? I truly believe that there's no other choice but to be the Wings. They wouldn't have kept uh, the Wings name and the logo and all the banners and all the historical records. They wouldn't have left those in Philadelphia and not taken them to New England if they weren't going to become the Wings once they returned. So... It may be a little bit anticlimactic, but I really am looking forward to the unveiling tomorrow. Um, we're going to try and get uh, a couple people from the Philadelphia organization, uh, probably just one, um, on next week just to talk about everything. And I'm sure no one's going to be disappointed with the unveiling tomorrow. But we'll keep our fingers crossed that it is the Wings and that there's not some sort of riot if they announce a different name, but we move on. Um, No West Berg in Calgary is an interesting situation that we will discuss with Andrew McBride. And, of course, the CLA gong show continues. Um, I really don't know how I feel about this because obviously there's two sides to the story that... Um, is trying to be laid out. Uh, We really truly only are kind of like getting one side, and that's the side that points all the fingers at the CLA. And um, I'm not opposed to that, but parts of me feels like we're not getting all of the story. Um, I reached out to Soen Gill. Um, He 
graciously declined and said that he doesn't feel like he has anything to say. Uh, I reached out to Joey Harris, Harris, um, the re-elected CLA president. Um, he was unavailable to chat today. Uh, we'll try to get him next week if anything new comes out. But I think, um, as you'll hear from Andrew McBride later, the key to keeping this story relevant and in the forefront and allowing significant change to happen is to keep talking about this story. So, um, unfortunately, we couldn't get anybody uh, from the CLA to join us. Uh, We will try next week. But uh, keep your eyes glued to the Peterborough Examiner. Uh, Those guys have been doing just an incredible job covering the story from day one. And every time they come out with a new article, uh, there's new information. Uh, There's new jaw-dropping quotes um, and just mind-boggling decisions being made um, by some of the people that are in charge. And I just, I'm going to move on from this because I don't want to dwell on it because I literally could talk a whole show about this. The CRA has said that for the Canadian Lacrosse Association, To regain its amateur status, both Joey Harris, the president, and Soen Gill, who were in charge of the CLA um, when the CRA retracted uh, their amateur status for issuing more than $60.7 million in donation receipts um, in participating in a tax shelter, they need to both step down. And somehow... Joey Harris was re-elected as the president of the CLA, retains his position, and we haven't solved anything other than losing four incredible lacrosse minds in Johnny Meridian, Dave Huntley, Dean French, and Gary Gate. It's an ongoing situation. We will continue to keep apprised, keep you updated, but I don't see this ending very well, and I'm going to say it, many, many times, as I've said it many, many times before. For this all to be cleared up, I truly believe the Canadian Lacrosse Association needs to be blown up, rebuilt. We need fresh, young blood. We need a new vision. We need a new leader. And we need to bridge the gap between the national team players and the Canadian Lacrosse Association again, because that bridge has been burnt, and we need to start producing proper grassroots programs and growing the game properly from the youth to the senior level, and something's got to change. Don't know what it is. I don't know how it's going to happen, and until there's a change made at the top, there will be no significant changes made that will benefit anybody. And what this has done is it's left um, many international tournaments up in the air. Uh, Canada is supposed to be holding or hosting the U19 Women's Field Lacrosse Championships in Peterborough this summer. Um, Will that take place? Will Canada have a team? Will Canada send a team in 2018 to Tel Aviv? Will this all be settled by 2019 when Canada hosts the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships in Langley? There are a lot of questions to be asked And a lot of answers needed. But as I said, until change is made at the top, we're not going to see any headway made. And it's only going to 
bring a black eye to Canadian lacrosse. It's going to hurt the international game if Canada's not at these world championships. And it's just going to be a continued fiasco until something is resolved. So, again, we'd reached out to the CLA. Uh, Nobody was available for comment. Um, And we will try again next week. So let's focus on things that we can talk about. And that is the National Lacrosse League, as mentioned, 11 days away from December 8th and the kickoff of the 2017-2018 season. And we've got three pretty pretty good games to kick things off. Georgia at New England, Toronto at Buffalo, and Colorado at Vancouver. Those three Friday night games. And then on the Saturday, it's Calgary at Rochester. And that's just opening weekend. So we've got some time until we get there. And as mentioned, we'll talk to Andrew McBride about the Roughnecks and their preseason, everything they're building to. Um, but let's get you to the rosters. As all nine teams have submitted them, the Colorado Mammoth were the last team to submit their rosters. They had to wait for a few things to kind of fall into place before they figured out who was going to sit where. But um, much like a few other teams in the National Lacrosse League this year, uh, the Mammoth uh, have a few holes. And a lot of those holes have been created by injury, um, some due to trades, and one due to retirement, let's call it. Um, Brent Adams is on the IR. Alex Bouquet was traded to the Buffalo Bandits. Callum Crawford went with him. Uh, Bryce Sweeting and Zach Greer are on the physically unable to playlist, along with Dan Coates and Cam Holding, who... Uh, we all know, are most likely done for the year. Uh, The Zach Greer and Bryce Sweeting being on the physically unable to perform list, um, that has raised a few eyes. Um, It's been talked that Zach Greer, uh, much like holding in coats, suffered an injury at Team Canada camp. Um, They don't know if he'll be ready for game one. They hope he will be. Uh, If you can imagine a left side with Greer, McLaughlin, and Banesh, and then most likely um, Chris Wardle, that's a pretty pretty good left side, lefty side, not to get people confused. Um, but Bryce Sweeting still recovering from an injury he suffered at the Man Cup. They hope that he'll be back. Um, and so those are the guys that are kind of in and out, and those leave, that leaves some holes out there. Obviously, Ryan Banesh is in. Brody Eastwood's earned a spot this year. Rowan Kelly um, was really impressive in preseason, earned a spot on the back end. Obviously, that helped with the injuries to Coates and Holding. Uh, Ryan Lee, the young man out of RIT who plays for Nanaimo in the WLA, had an incredible couple of summers and really saw his stock rise. Many thought that his size might be an issue, but we all know in the National Lacrosse League um, that's had superstars such as John Tavares and Josh Sanders, and size doesn't matter in this league. It's head, heart, and hustle. And Ryan Lee earned his spot, as did Quinn McKay. And nice to see Nick Asello. Um, an American guy, a Notre Dame product, a Denver guy, uh, has finally found his way into a full-time roster spot. They expect big things out of him. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how he factors into the roster this year. Again, with the loss of holding in coats, there are some defensive holes that the Colorado Mammoth had to fill. Um, and they think they've done that. On their practice wa- roster is Tim Edwards, who they picked up from Buffalo after they released him, and Jared Newman who was one of their draft picks this year, uh, a big, athletic, physical American defenseman. Um, And if there are injuries on the back end, 
Uh, he could definitely fill in, and but they're they're kind of working with him on a, as a project basis. Uh, I like his style, I like his game, and if Pat Cole can get his hands on him and kind of mold him, I think Jared Newman could be a really really good American bred defender. And just look at some of the names um, that the Colorado Mammoth have produced out of the back end for American defenders, uh, guys like Jay Jalbert, who's still one of the best two-way guys the game's ever seen, and I wish his career didn't have to end so soon. Uh, Jamie Hanford, Dave Stilley, uh, the list goes on and on of, of talented American guys who have played for the Mammoth, and Jared Newman could be the next one. Um, we're going to talk Calgary quite a bit, uh, but their roster is out in on their roster. Uh, Tyler Pace, a first-round draft pick, Anthony Kalinich, Vaughn Harris, and Zach Courier, who was another draft pick. Um, Mike Carnegie, Scott Carnegie, Jeff Shatler traded to Saskatchewan. Bob Snyder is on the practice roster. Mike Carnegie is on the physically unable to play list. Scott Carnegie outright released. And that has a lot of people scratching their eyes. I'm actually quite surprised he has yet to be picked up. Um, I talked to a few GMs. After he was released, and I said, do you have any interest in picking him up? And pretty much every GM I talked to said, absolutely. And yet no one's done it yet, which is a bit of a head scratcher. Um, so we'll wait to see if Scott gets picked up as the season nears or as we go a few weeks into the season and teams realize they need a little bit of help. Um, Kel LeClaire still on the IR. Steph Charbonneau and Ryan Martell joined Bob Snyder on the practice roster. But the big one is Wes Berg. Still unsigned. He's on their protected list. Um, again, we'll talk to Andy McBride in a little bit about his situation, but he is and will be an integral centerpiece for an offense in this National Lacrosse League. He may not be right now in Calgary just due to the fact that they have Dane Doby and Curtis Dixon already there, but Westberg is a superstar, and every team in the National Lacrosse League would love to add him to their roster, and I just don't know how long Calgary can let him sit. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I, I do not see them trading him anytime soon, but if they can't come to a deal and if he was really itching to play, then you might see their hand forced a little bit, but... It's going to be interesting to not see Westberg in a rough next lineup uh, when they start the season if nothing can be sorted out. Obviously, the two goaltenders in Calgary, uh, Frank Chiliano and Christian Del Bianco, don't know who's going to be the starter. My guess is it's Frank. Uh, it's still his team, in my opinion. But Christian Del Bianco is waiting in the wings for his chance to join the starting goaltenders' union. So uh, the Calgary Roughnecks a team that just missed out on the playoffs and looking to get right back in. And I think their team is is shaping up to look pretty good. As for the defending West champions, the Saskatchewan Rush, once again, probably the team that made the fewest changes out there. And that's kind of been Derek Keenan's MO of the last few years. Don't make too many changes. Bring a small amount of guys into training camp. Keep the core together. Get the chemistry going from day one and hit the ground running. The The two biggest changes, obviously, Adam Jones is out, and Aaron Bold is gone, along with John LaFontaine to New England. Uh, Jonesy off to Toronto. Uh, Evan Kirk and Jeff Shatler are in. So you 
do a one-for-one trade essentially for your goaltender and then Jonesy for Shatler. It'll be interesting to see how those guys fit into their new roles. I know Derek Keenan is a huge Kirk fan, and Jeff Shatler is uh, an energizer bunny. Congratulations, by the way, Shats, on the birth of his new baby boy. And, you know, the Rush still don't have Nick Billick, still out with a lower body injury. Their practice roster includes Nick Finley, Johnny Pearson, Tor Reinholdt, and Adam Shute. Um, everybody knows Tor Reinholdt can play. He saw some time last year. Wouldn't surprise me if Johnny Pearson gets a couple looks as the season goes on. I, I've been impressed with him uh, the past couple years watching him out west. Uh, but the rush, again, little turnover, trying to keep that core together and so they can keep that chemistry, and they have to be one of the odds-on favorites again going into this year. And then finally, the Vancouver Stealth. Uh, another year with uh, quite a bit of turnover in Vancouver, in comes Brandon Goodwin, Brody McDonald, Anthony Malcolm, Andrew Suter added late, and Ryan Fournier out. Corey Conway, Jordan Durston traded, John Harnett injured, Curtis Hodgson retired, Thomas Holgarth released due to work commitments, Tyler Richards released, and Ryan Wagner is out as well. Injured, uh, as mentioned, Harnett, Hogarth, and Jackson. And Hogarth is on the IR along with Casey Jackson. Um, Tyler Garrison and Jarrett Toll are holdouts. They've still really yet to have a full year out of Tyler Garrison. And it's, in my opinion, it's one of their bigger losses every year when Garrison can't play a full season. Uh, I believe he got in the UBC School of Business. Um, so that will take not allow him to play. But he truly is one of the most underrated two-way guys. Um, but just can't stay healthy. Uh, this year, obviously not a health issue. It's a school issue. But you know they would love to have him running out that back end along with Jarrett Toll. Um, so those are two key losses that are on the holdout list. Patrick O'Mara, Eric Penny, Tyson Rowe, and Cody Tykerobe are all on the practice roster for Vancouver Stell. So Jamie Batley and his group, once again, stressing conditioning, stressing a fast transition game. And it'll be interesting to see how they start their season against the Colorado Mammoth on December 8th on their home floor. They had their best season to date since moving from Washington up to Langley. And everybody in the lower mainland would love to see them build off of that success. So before we go to the Eastern Conference, let's stick with the West for a few more minutes and bring in Andrew McBride, former Calgary Roughnecks captain turned Roughnecks insider, also their in-game host. Uh, longtime friend of the show and one of the good guys helping to get the word out there of how great this game is. And he joins us on the show now. Brider, how are you, my friend? Doing good, Teddy. How are you? I'm super fantastic. Uh, what were your thoughts on Survivor Series a few weeks ago? Like it. I mean, you know what? It's not like the old school Survivor yeah. Series. Honestly, probably one of my favorite pay-per-views back in the day when you actually had to hate the team between yeah. the two teams. Now it's more, you know, branding and co-branding. I thought the actual Survivor Series match was a little bit Bush League, but you know what? I'm always down for wrestling. Any pay-per-views are good. A couple good little matches in there, so it is what it is. It is what it is. It's entertaining for the boys, isn't it? Gotta love wrestling. Yeah. More people got to get on the bandwagon. It's, it's good entertainment. It is indeed. Uh, good entertainment is what the National Lacrosse League is all about, and we're uh, just under two weeks away from uh, the season openers on December 8th. A few games on the schedule, but we're going to focus on the Calgary Roughnecks, uh, your hometown team, and, and the team that's 
uh, you spent your entire career with. It's obviously different uh, being on the outside looking in, but you have some insights. How did the Roughnecks look in the preseason, and, and what are you expecting from a club that missed the first for the playoffs for the first time since their inaugural year? Yeah, I thought they looked exceptionally well, and I mean – it was tough. Vancouver did draw us a roster that didn't have a lot of experience. Uh, they didn't have a lot of guys that have played significant minutes. Offensively, they were definitely sitting a lot of their superstars. And it was interesting to think about. You know, everyone talks about, is there enough talent? Is there enough balance? Is there enough way to expand the rosters to, to keep the quality of play? And it was interesting to see from a Vancouver standpoint, when you take out those those superstars and, and Logan Schaas and Reese Dutch and Corey Smalls only playing a bit, it really does impact the game. And I thought the Roughnecks dominated from the get-go. Uh, they definitely looked a lot faster from a transition aspect. They definitely looked a little bit more hungry. And I think anytime you miss the playoffs, anytime you have a little bit of animosity amongst the league, a little bit of, you know, doubt through the pundits in the league, you're going to come mm-hmm. up with a little bit of fire. But uh, I, I think there's some definitely new and exciting pieces in Roughnecks land. And, and from that 60-minute game, it definitely was a dominating performance. Will that translate to the regular season? I guess we'll have to wait and see when all the rosters are set and everybody's ready to go. I don't think there's too much panic in that room. Uh, obviously, missing the playoffs is a huge thing. But, you know, the way that the West unfolded, obviously Saskatchewan kind of ran away with it as they've done the last few years. But the battle for that, you know, two and three seed between uh, the Roughnecks, the Stealth, and the Mammoths has been a battle that's been going on for the past few years. Uh, is there... Is there confidence in that locker room that they can rebound from last year and be a dominant team in the West again? I think so. I think you got to look at it as an anomaly. I mean, it is hard to miss the playoffs. In a league where you have as limited number of teams as there are, missing yeah. the playoffs two years in a row is something that's, that's actually tough to do. It's, it's kind of funny to say that, but there's a lot of different situations that are going to transpire this year. You look at Colorado with two major injuries, out of the back end and two guys that are key members of yeah. not only their team, of their leadership group, of their culture. Uh, they really make up a lot of dynamic in their room. You go to the Vancouver side, you lose a guy like John Lentz, Curtis Hodgson, their captain retires. You lose John Harnett. These are guys that are veteran guys. These are guys that have impact all over the floor and can really solidify rosters. So you look around the, the league every year and there's changes. New things happen. New players come in. Uh, much like in Roughnecks land, there's new players coming in. I think you wipe the slate clean. I think in the West, like you said, Saskatchewan's still clearly the front runner in my mm-hmm. mind. Still, still the best team in the league. Um, George obviously coming off a championship last year. I think Toronto's going to be very strong this year. But those three teams are very equal, and it's going to come down to the intangibles that makes lacrosse so exciting. You talked about uh, new faces in Roughneck land. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, talking about bodies that are going to be missing, obviously the loss of Jess Shatler. Uh, you know, some people will look at it as a big loss. Other people will see it as an opportunity for some younger guys to get minutes. But how big of a loss is it uh, to lose a veteran and uh, a utility guy like Jeff Shatler? Well, I think it's huge. Not only, you know what, it's one of these things that it is business. I've talked to Jeff Watts. Jeff is a good friend of mine. Um, he, he wanted to stay in Calgary, but things don't work out. That's professional mm-hmm. sports. I think in the NLL it gets highlighted a little bit more because of the relationships the players get in the cities because there's not a lot of play of movement because there's not a number of teams, um, but it's going to hurt them. I, I don't care what you say when you take a former MVP out, when you take the, the points leader in franchise history, the second in games played, these are things that are going to take a little bit of a while to make adjustments. Now you talk about guys stepping up to the plate 
and a guy like holding to Tony and Riley Lowen having a better year. Yeah, you could say they're going to have better years. You anticipate them to have better years. But when you take a proven commodity like Jeff Shatler, who you know you're going to bring to the rink, one of the guys that competes harder than anybody with, it's going to be a hole. You can sugarcoat it any way you want. I think it is going to be an issue. Can they put the pieces around the new guys in Dane Dobie, still a superstar in this league, to, to make it happen? Time's going to tell. The loss of Westberg might be even more impactful, and he hasn't been lost, but still yet to be signed. Uh, is there any headway uh, between Mike Ford and the Westberg camp? Well, it is interesting. I mean, uh, I, I guess you're talking financial dollars. I guess it's a, a question of coming back to the table on the two sides and, and saying, are you willing to budge from the number? I think mm-hmm. it's interesting to see in the NLL. We're not talking about millions of dollars here, as you know, Teddy. Yeah. We're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. So at what point is the tipping point? At what point is the number where one person just says, heck, hey, we need you, or heck, hey, I want to play. I think uh, the difference with Westberg and maybe some of the old school players and some of how even I did contract negotiations, lacrosse for most people is their number one priority. It's their number one focus. Now, I'm not saying it's not for Westberg. What I am saying is Westberg is a diverse person. He's charismatic. He's got a lot going on. He's got other avenues of income. He's playing into different levels all over the country, all over the world. How can you bring him back in the fold? But I agree. I think it's a definitely a, an area the Roughnecks need him. Westberg is going to be a superstar if he's not a superstar now. I think he gets overshadowed in Calgary by Curtis Dixon, mm-hmm. who is a superstar. But Westberg is the real deal. And he is a young kid that is going to make or break a team season and something and someone the Roughnecks need to get in the fold if they're expected to win a championship. I think one of the big questions will be uh, the number one goaltender spot, Frankie Shiliano and Christian Del Bianco. Uh, two still very uh, Frankie's still very young. Obviously, everyone knows how young Christian is, but uh, is is this still Frank's team? I think so, and it's an interesting dilemma. I think it's one of the Roughnecks' strong suits, how that's going to play out with expansion coming down. But one of the best stats I love, I think twelve, the past 12 years, the goalie that has won the NLL championship has been over the age of 30. Goaltending, wow. and I see it firsthand. I see it with my junior teams. I see it trying to develop goalie. Goaltenders are the hardest spot in lacrosse to get good at. Yeah. Yet from a grassroots level, from a pro level, it is the least amount of time we spend coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that needs to change all over the board. So these two young goalies are exceptional. I love both of them. I love both their attitudes. I love how they work hard. I love them as human beings. I think Frank gets the nod to start, but Christian is right there as an up-and-coming goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it is the strength of the Roughnecks. I think it's something that you can lean on moving forward, and it'll be interesting how that plays out, but it's definitely not a bad problem to have. Uh, quickly, put on your Mike Ford GM hat. Uh, expansion next year, who do you protect? Well, I think it, it's whoever you can get the most for. I mean, if I'm the general manager, I, I'm waiting till the end of the season. Yeah. I'm, I'm then going to approach teams and saying, one of our goalies is up unless we can protect two. From a franchise standpoint, and someone that, that takes a lot of pride trying to know the game, if, if I'm a if I'm the Roughnecks GM and I can protect both goalies, I'm doing it. Um, that being said, you can get a lot for one of them. Absolutely. How you approach wanting to go do that, if you trade it to a team who then protects them, if you trade it to the expansion team, like I said, they, these are two pieces that are going to really dictate how I think the expansion draft goes. And you need goalies in lacrosse. You've seen it firsthand. I would franchise my whole entire team to get a goalie of one of those those people. And you know what? Maybe you pay more. Maybe you have to pay the piper to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's such a vital position. And I've seen it time in and time again at every level. 
you have to have a goalie to backstop your team. And I think it's a focal point for the expansion teams to try to make something happen or for other teams to jump in the mix and say, hey, we want to acquire it. Here's what we're offering to do and go about and do it that way. So I think the Roughnecks are in a good position in that, that area. Uh, speaking of expansion, do you like uh, the NLL going to San Diego and back to Philadelphia? Love it. I do. I think I think the American influence is going to be huge from USA Box across who are doing wonderful things. Like I love the forward thinking. I love what's going on in the aspects of USA Box across. But how do you translate that to more jobs and more American jobs? I think by opening it up to these American cities and allowing for maybe some development is a really, really great avenue for these American players to show what their talent is. I think if you've watched highlights of the box league last year in Denver, these kids, and you see it even on Twitter and Instagram with all these college kids now practicing box lacrosse, playing box lacrosse, you really do see the development. And it comes down to coaching too. There's lots and lots of great coaches, Hall of Famers in the NLL, people that have played the game for a long time, people that are good at coaching, giving back to USA box lacrosse. So how can you translate that to jobs? I still personally would love to see something like the CFL. I've said it before. If I was a commissioner of the NLL, I would come in. I would say mandatory right away, starting this year. Calgary Roughnecks, you got to have two Americans on your team. Yeah. Every team needs to do that. Then it's going to make drafting. It's going to make recruiting. It's going to make accessing that USA lacrosse talent very much more important. Then you're going to drive the American players in the league. Because ultimately, if you look at it, how many kids are playing lacrosse in Canada? Mm-hmm. 60,000. How many kids are playing lacrosse in USA? Lots. Yeah, yeah. Lots. Lots. 700,000. So so how are you going to grow your league? How are you going to take these assets to push your league to the next level and really to get it on the prime time of professional sports? I think the Americans are going to be the way to drive it there. How do you amalgamate them? How do you make that process quicker? That's for the people above my pay grade to figure out. <laughs> Both of our pay grades, my man. Uh, speaking of um, above us, uh, big talk, obviously, outside the National Lacrosse League is the whole CLA deal. Uh, you've kind of had a bit of an inside perspective uh, with your former role as a technical director for Alberta Lacrosse. What's your whole take on everything that's gone on, you know, say, in the past two months? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see develop. Um, I have been privy to going to CLA meetings two years ago. I've seen how things work at the MA level from a technical director aspect. And I think there's a few things that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most frustrating things, and for me, part of the reason other than having a young family and wanting to move on and let other people do my job in Alberta, is it's frustrating when you have young people that have worked hard. I, I take a lot of pride in trying to diversify my lacrosse resume from starting my classroom lacrosse program to giving it to Jeff Sider, to seeing that go to the next level, to coaching the Raiders, to playing at a high level professionally, doing stuff in grassroots. I, I, I would want myself in with a lot of young people, Chad Konetsky, Bruce Todd, Jimmy Quinlan, Jeff Snyder, the Hill Academy, people that are young and passionate about driving the game forward. I cannot tell you how many times I would go to a coaching thing or give advice to people, and they would simply say, well, I don't think that's right. I'm not going to listen to you. So it's frustrating in lacrosse when you're the expert um, and, and you're passionate and you're young and you're trying to drive the sport forward and people aren't listening to you. Mm-hmm. I think at the big level, they're old, right? There's, there's a lot of people that have done a lot of great things in the game of lacrosse uh, that go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and you can't take away what those people did but times are changing. You have to be open 
to moving things forward. You have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to stepping back and saying, you know what, I've done what we can. And I think you're, you're starting to see the accountability come into that factor. I think there does need to be an overhaul. CLA has done a lot of great things, but Canada lacrosse, and it trickles down to the, the grassroots across, it trickles down to our junior A-League. You need to have people in positions of power that are willing to do the hard decisions to push forward. And right now it seems pretty static. It seems yeah. that there's been a lot of people there for a very, very long time, a lot of people that are not willing to make necessary changes to move forward. And I think you're finally seeing things come out in the limelight that have been problems for five and six years. You really have. So um, I feel bad for a lot of people. I'm glad this is finally getting to the public. I hope change comes. But it's the same thing as you've learned with with being a journalist, and it's about news cycles. If you mm-hmm. can't keep this story in the news, guess what's going to happen? Nothing. Yep. Right? You're going to lose it. You're going to not. Something big else is going to happen. The NLL is going to start. The World Field Lacrosse Championships is going to start. And then you're in trouble. So how can we generate what's going on and how it's going to improve is something that has to take place. And the other thing I'm going to say is who are you going to get to do the job? Because exactly. it is easy for people to complain. But Teddy, you couldn't pay me $250,000 to be the president of the CLA. That's how big of a job it is. That's mm-hmm. how much things need to improve. So it's easy for me and you to sit here and say, this needs to change. But but what's the solution? How can we all be a part of the solution? And I don't know the answers to that. I don't know yeah. who's willing to step up and take those roles. Maybe if you open it up to a bigger thing, maybe if you invite every MA to the table, maybe even instead of the CLA meetings, you invite 30 people, invite 400 people, then maybe you'll get more nominations. Mm-hmm. You'll get more people wanting to run. But right now it's a very fine balance of what do we do? How do we do it? But change needs to happen. That's for sure. Uh, you mentioned the Alberta Junior A League. Uh, you're obviously heavily involved with the Raiders and everything else that's going on uh, with that league. Uh, it, it's been a huge incline uh, for Alberta lacrosse over the past few years with what the Mountaineers have accomplished and what the Raiders have accomplished, especially at the Minto Cup level. Uh, what's on deck for Alberta Junior Lacrosse for 2018? Well, we we have a lot of problems just like everyone here. And I think Junior A across the, the country really needs to take a look at themselves and say, how can we develop and grow the game of lacrosse? Mm-hmm. I mean, from my personal standpoint, I'd love, if not just a Western League where we could go join BC, mm-hmm. all across Canada. I'd love to fly to, to Whitby one weekend to play Whitby, and then we're out to the coast to play Coquitlam. Are there restrictions when it comes to monetary value and travel? Sure, but the, but that's an excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we really said and we got 10 owners together, even owners in the States, we, we could make it work for the players. Um, from our league standpoint, is trying to really improve the – the competition. I think we saw it in the Minto. Um, our games during the regular season, minus the Mounties, aren't really competitive. Yeah. The North is struggling right now to find their niche. There's talk about going down to one team in the North. There's talk about trying to amalgamate them. There's talk about Red Deer coming into our league. There's a lot of moving parts going forward, and I think one of the things we're trying to do is be proactive in driving the the, the competition forward. But it's yeah. hard. You see it in BC. I mean, in my personal opinion. There needs to be two franchises folded in BC right away. Yeah, yeah. Who that is, that's, I mean, I know who I would do, what I would do, but mm-hmm. if you want to be forward thinking, sure, no one wants, you never want to fold a team, but these are the decisions that need to be made for the betterment of the league, as opposed to hanging on and on and doing the yeah. same thing when you know the result is not going to be a good one. And I think that's what's frustrating and it involves a lot in lacrosse is when you see a pattern happen, 
when you see something that's going to happen in two or three years and you warn people about it, and then three years down the road, they all agree with you and you're like, this happened, and you're like, well, if we would have been a little more forward thinking, we could have adjusted it. It is tough to see. So we're excited to host the Minto Cup here. I think it's going to be a great partnership with the Roughnecks. Uh, we're coinciding it with the U19 Women's Field Lacrosse Nationals. We're hosting the Midget Box Nationals the same week. We're trying to make it a premier, premier event. I think we're going to have lots of corporate sponsors. I think we're going to have a big, big turnout in fans um, in support. And we're looking, honestly, our goal is to have the best Minto Cup ever held. Mm-hmm. And we're we're confident that we can get that done. Right, it's always a pleasure talking, my man. You're you're a voice of the game in Alberta, and, and you put your time in. And and like you said, it, it's frustrating when people have put you know 20 plus years playing and understand the game and know what today's game is all about. And at the higher level, your voice just isn't heard. It gets to be a frustrating uh, conversation and continue to have. But uh, you are putting up the fight for Alberta, just like everybody else across the country is is making their voice be heard, and I, I wish nothing but the best for you and the Raiders, and I know we'll be seeing you uh, during a lot of Roughnecks games. They start uh, December 9th on the road against Rochester. It should be a pretty fun year, my friend. appreciate it, Teddy. You're one of the, the better guys out there growing the game of lacrosse. It, it means a lot for the platform you do to deliver the messages you do with the guests you get um, and getting the information out there. I'm looking forward to an exciting NLL year. I think the product is getting better. The production is getting better. Everybody's kind of ramping it up you got a good commissioner in place, and it's going to be an exciting year for lacrosse. Um, and we'll continue to push the game forward to continue to grow the game and enjoy what we do. There is Andrew McBride, one of the in-game hosts on the Roughnecks broadcast and an in-game guy. You get to see him on the Jumbotron at the Saddledome during Roughneck games. So always a pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, got his ear to the ground and everything Roughnecks. And the Westberg situation is a very interesting one um, from reports that are out there and some people that I've talked to. Uh, he's asking for pretty much max contract. And some people say, well, he's only in his second year. Maybe he needs to wait a little bit. Others are like, the guy deserves it. He should be a max player. But you know what? In this league, teams can't always afford to pay everybody that they want a max contract. The Roughnecks feel that they offered Westberg a very good deal in comparison. But as of yet, the two sides haven't come to an agreement. So Wes is going to hold out till he gets a better deal. Uh, some, again, feel that that's good for him because oftentimes players will just settle for the deal that's given to them and it's not really what their value is. And that can hurt a player as he goes throughout his career. So some think it's smart. Others think it's selfish. Uh, the two sides continue to work. I spoke with Mike Board a few weeks ago. Um, he's confident that something can get done, but, you know, he's not going to have his hand forced. He's going to make sure he does what's best for his lacrosse club. And like we see in many other sports, the Roughnecks will probably plan, if they can't get Berg signed, just go without him for the first few games, first few weeks, see what happens, and then... If, you know, if they drop to 0-3 pretty quick and their goal numbers are down, they're not having a lot of success at the front door, you know what, then maybe they go back to the drawing tables and, you know, speak with Berg. But as of right now, the two sides unable to come to a deal. And therefore, no Wes Berg on the Calgary Roughnecks starting roster for opening day. 
A couple other interesting things. Uh, The Red Deer asking for a junior program in Calgary is interesting, um, especially uh, them adding uh, the Saskatchewan SWAT to the RMJ last year. Uh, The contraction talk that many people have had, um, not only in Alberta, but in BC as well. And I'm sure those conversations uh, are happening in Ontario as well. And that's, again, that's a CLA issue. And that is where there's a big disconnect of actually knowing what's good for the sport and just sticking to what's worked. So, uh, great stuff with Brider. As always, love chatting to the man who has a very questionable hat collection. But I give him a pass because he's a wrestling fan just like me. So that's the West, and that's a touch with Andrew McBride. So let's head over on to the Eastern Division, and we'll start with the defending National Lacrosse League champions, the Georgia Swarm. And when you look at the guys that are out this year, Mitch Belisle, who's retired, Liam Burns, who's been moved to the practice roster, Jordan Hall, Brody McDonald traded to Vancouver, Ethan O'Connor, Chad Tutton, and Joel White. Now, that's quite a bit, especially from a team that was so successful Last year, Hall, Ethan O'Connor, Joel White, all on the holdout list. Much of that has to do with uh, job opportunities and work away from the lacrosse field. But when you lose a guy like Jordan Hall, wouldn't you really like to replace him with somebody that knows your system and can fit in seamlessly, you know, I don't know, like a guy like Jesse King? Well, Kinger's back. He's healthy. He's recouped from his knee injury. He's done all his rehab. He feels comfortable. He looks good in his in, in his first few sessions with the Swarm. And so that's a bit of a wash. Um, you bring in Frank Brown and Zed Williams, two guys that they drafted, uh, they have high hopes for. Obviously, Zed Williams knows some of the guys on that team from playing senior b-ball with some of the Thompson brothers during the summer. And Chad Tutton, as we mentioned, he's on the physically unable to perform list. He's hurt. Uh, Their practice roster includes Liam Burns, as we mentioned, Isaiah Davis, Allen, Lachlan Elder, and Braden Hill. So, you know, for a championship team, you got a little bit of turnover. And that could cause a little bit of a slow start. That could cause some chemistry issues, but I don't think it will. I think Eddie Como and his staff will have this group ready, and they are once again going to be one of the teams to beat this winter. They are going to be riding a high. I don't think there's going to be any championship hangover for this group. Um, Don't take anything to that absolute butt-kicking that they took at the hands of the Saskatchewan uh, rush in their preseason game a few weeks ago. Once the real games are set to play on the 8th, the Georgia Swarm will be ready. And they will be ready to defend their championship, and I think they're going to do one heck of a job doing it. They are going to be one of the teams in the East to beat. I know a lot of people are high on Toronto. I like the Rock as well. Um, But as Ric Flair says, To be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! So the Georgia Swarm, they're the man. And you got to beat them to be the man. I just literally recited what Ric Flair just said. 
the nature boy. But truth be told, that's how it works, right? So a little bit of turnover in Swarmland. Um, Brody McDonald out, obviously. Number one goaltender, Mikey Poulin, is still there. And, you know, we'll just see how they roll. Uh, right out of the gate, um, I think the Swarm are, are going to be just as on fire as they were last year. Um, as mentioned, a lot of people feel that the Toronto Rock are going to be a team to beat in the East. Uh, Casey Bearns retired. Turner Evans is out for the year. Jesse Gamble is out for the year. Jeff Gilbert retired. And Challen Rogers is on the IR. Uh, Turner Evers, Evans is on the IR as well. They're not sure uh, when he's going to be back. Um, their practice roster includes uh, Riley Hutchcroft, the Mimico goaltender, Adam Jay, uh, out of Victoria, Brandon Slade, and Daryl Robinson. And, of course, Paul Rabel still protected. In comes Brock Sorensen, who missed much of last year with an injury. Of course, uh, Adam Jones, Rob Hellyer is back, Phil Caputo, and Drew Belgrave, uh, the junior out of New Westminster, who saw his stock rise immensely during the Bellies run to the Man Cup uh, playoffs. And I think he's just going to be another weapon out of the back end uh, in their transition game, one of the Toronto Rock's strength. And I- I'm excited to see what this Rock team brings. Obviously, Nick Rose and Brandon Miller uh, will be there between the pipes. Uh, that's going to be a point of focus for this team. If they can get con- consistent goaltending and their defense can stay healthy, I think their offense puts up a lot of points. And the return of Rob Hellier is a massive boost for that group. And getting Adam Jones, uh, they've really just slowly built a solid offense. I know a lot of people are, are really high on Brett Hickey, still the only guy in Rock history to score 50 goals. Uh, can he get back to those kind of numbers? Can he stay healthy? And that's the biggest thing for this Rock club is staying healthy. Over the years, they've had good runs, and then one or two key injuries has really knocked them off of their pace. If they can stay healthy and they can string together wins late in the year, this is a club that will be very, very dangerous. Another team that I really like that I don't think people are giving enough credit to are the Buffalo Bandits. Yes, a ton of turnaround, probably more turnaround than the Vancouver Stealth have. But the additions that they made in the holes that they needed to fill, I think are really going to allow them to be better. Obviously, the loss of Anthony Cosmo, who has been there for quite some time, uh, will be one of the biggest changes, as will the loss of Ryan Banesh. But the two pieces that come in to fill those spots, Alex Bouquet and Josh Byrne. Bouquet is ready to be a number one starter in this league. He has been biding his time with the Colorado Mammoth. He had an incredible summer with the New Westminster Salmon Bellies, and I think that that number one job will be his right out of camp. And when the Bandits play the Rock in that season opener, I really expect Bouquet to be the guy between the pipes. Um, He's deceiving. Uh, You know, people look at him and don't think he's very athletic, but... Uh, The guy can move like a cat. Uh, He's great at getting the ball up the floor. He's a great goalie at controlling his rebounds. And he's a pretty good team guy. And when you allow him to be in a role that will see him succeed, I think 
Alex Bouquet is going to surprise a lot of people. As for Josh Byrne, uh, I don't think there's going to be much of a uh, speed bump to start the year for him. I think he's going to hit the ground running in the National Lacrosse League. I know he's surrounded with uh, incredible talent and a ton of veterans, uh, especially when you look at a guy on the bench like John Deveris. Uh, Burns going to learn a lot from him. When you add in the likes of Josh Durston, sorry, Jordan Durston, to that offense, on the left side, a, a very young veteran uh, who had a lot of success in Vancouver. Um, and I really believe that Durston is a guy uh, that Vancouver is going to miss and the Bandits are going to cherish. Uh, other guys that the Bandits have brought in, Reed Acton, Ryan Wagner, Chase Fraser, Ethan Scott. And again, they filled their holes that they needed to. Guys that are out, mentioned Banesh and Cosmo. Tim Edwards is off to Colorado. Alex Keto-Hill taking the year off. Anthony Malcolm is in Vancouver. Blaze Reardon is out. Billy D. Smith is off to Rochester. Andrew Watt is done. And Adam Will is out on their physically unable perform list. Dallas Bridal. And on the practice roster, Goa Abrams, Liam Patton, and Zach Reed. Zach Reed released from the New England Black Wolves, picked up by the Buffalo Bandits. So, Again, people don't think that the Bandits um, are going to be able to crack the top three in the East. I think they will. I think this is a group that's going to be just as hungry as the Calgary Roughnecks after missing the playoffs, and they are going to come in and be incredibly, incredibly hungry and ready to hit the ground running. And that game against Toronto to start the year is going to be a huge game as a scene setter for this Bandit squad and what's to come from them in 1718. To the New England Black Wolves, who a lot of people um, have high on their list, obviously out is Aaron Kirk and in comes Aaron Bold. That's a big change. Uh, and we're going to really get to see how good Aaron Bold can be. There are still doubters. There are still haters, as the kids say. But Aaron Bold doesn't listen to any of that. He just goes out and plays his game. And I said this uh, the last time the podcast was on, I expect Boldy to have a high save percentage, um, a great goals, a low goals against average, and return to the form that's seen him really lead the rush to where they were the past few years. Uh, I think he kind of was a bit of a scapegoat for some of their failures in Saskatchewan. And with that defense that Glenn Clark has remodeled in New England, I think they're going to be a lot better. Brett Bucktooth is retired. Chad Culp has retired. Ryan Hotaling is out. Obviously, Kirk's traded. Brooker Muir is out. Zach Reed is now in, Reed is now in Buffalo. And then Bill O'Brien was outright released. And a lot of people were up in arms. And I know there are a lot of Bill O'Brien naysayers out there. And a lot of people that aren't a fan of his style of play and feel that he doesn't deserve a spot. Well, when you're in a league with only nine teams and you have a regular spot, you've obviously earned it. Now, sure, there were times where I've watched Bill O'Brien play and I've shooken my head. I've said, I, what is he doing? Or he's been burnt for goals and been the reason goals have happened. That happens to everybody. But the one thing that has really upset fans in New England was the fact that Bill O'Brien was sort of their quote-unquote face of the franchise. And he was working behind the scenes. He was calling fans to get them as season ticket holders. 
he was out there promoting the team. He was in all, many of their ads and their social media stuff. And when fans found out that he had been released, there was a near riot and a revolt. And people were saying, I'm not buying season tickets after this year. Uh, you're going to lose a ton of fans. I don't know why I'm going to go when Bill O'Brien's gone. Sure, a lot of that can be just pomp and circumstance because fans get angry and fans are pretty loyal. But that's a tough way to see one of your favorite players leave. And a guy that the team put sort of at the front of the battle lines to help build that fan base in New England and to have him out, that's a tough one to swallow. Uh, Still yet to be picked up by any team so far. Um, and much like some of the other guys that are on these lists that have been le- or the, that have been left off the rosters, kind of like Mike Carnegie, after a few weeks, a team that has a couple losses or maybe a few injuries, maybe Billy O'B gets a gets a call. But O'Brien, uh, ever the positive, continues to motivate, continues to crush Mondays. And I think there's bigger and brighter things ahead for Bill O'Brien anyway. Finally, the Rochester Nighthawks, a team that was the first to win three in a row and then kind of dropped. And they've gotten older as those years have kind of gone on. And now they're starting to see, well, we can't we can't really allow ourselves to get much older. And so they've brought in some youth. Um, yeah, they brought in a an aging Billy D. Smith, but Eric Fennell, Austin Shanks, Eric Shule, Jake Withers, all young legs, all guys that have earned a spot and will make this team drastically different. Still no Cody Jameson, don't know when he's going to be back, but out are Jordan Dance, utility man Jared Davis, Dylan Evans is on the pup list, Marty Hill's out, Luke Laskowitz is out, Quinn Palace is out, Suter's off to Vancouver, and Sean Young. Their practice roster includes uh, Greg Longboat, Adam Peroni, Palace, and Mike Triolo. I was very surprised to see Andrew Suter released. More surprised that they kept Mike Triolo on the practice roster over a guy like Andrew Suter. Now, of course, you don't want a guy who's got a contract like Suter sitting on your practice roster. But Suter is a massive, massive... leadership piece. I was trying to find the right word. Um, He's had troubles over the years with knee injuries, and I think that has kind of slowed his progression to be one of the elite two-way defenders in our league that we all thought he was going to be when he came out of Orangeville. Um, Tough as nails, uh, a natural-born leader, a steady defender, can run the floor, can score in transition. He has all those intangibles that every team would love to have. But the knee injuries have really cost Suter a lot of his value. And Rochester felt that they didn't have value in him, so they released him. And within 24 hours, Doug Locker had picked him up and signed him to Vancouver, and he couldn't be happier. Uh, He loves the West Coast, spent a summer out with the Victoria Shamrocks, has a lot of friends on that team. And, again, another guy that is familiar with Jamie Batley, and I think will be an everyday starter for the Vancouver Stealth and will be a good piece for them. Losing Garrison hurts. Bringing in Andrew Suter makes that hurt sting 
a little bit less. So those are your five Eastern teams and your four Western teams. And that's where we're at. So how do we break this down and who's going to finish where? And that's not always the easiest thing to decipher. Obviously, Saskatchewan and Georgia, the top two from the East and West, are the teams to beat, as Ric Flair said. However, I think the gap is closing. And as Ann McBride and I talked about earlier, sure, the Rush have kind of been a few steps ahead of the other three teams out West. But again, I think that gap is closing. I think the battle in the West is going to be incredible once again. Four teams battling for three spots. And and it's crazy to think that just last year, the Roughnecks only missed the playoffs by a game. They were 8-10. and 10. Vancouver and Colorado were 9-9. Nine and nine. And Calgary continues to be victimized by one-goal games and cost of mistakes. And you just clean up those things, and they can easily be a 10-8 and eight team in the number two seed in the West last year. And that completely changes the playoff picture. In the East, things are a little bit more spread out. You know, Georgia to the second-place team was four games, then five, six, and seven all the way down to Rochester and Buffalo. But again, I think that closes. But when you have five teams compared to four teams, you're going to see a bit of a a bigger gap in the games behind stat line. But I think every team has gotten better. The quality of product on the floor has gotten better. And that's going to make for tighter races all over the board. I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say Colorado wins the West. I like Saskatchewan finishing second, and I think Calgary slides into the number three spot. Out in the east, I kind of have a feeling Toronto will surpass Georgia. I like Georgia finishing second. I got Buffalo in third, New England, and then Rochester. But I don't think I've ever, ever, ever predicted anything to be right, so... If you're going to Vegas on my stat lines and my predictions, I apologize in advance. Because I don't think I've ever predicted anything right like this. But that's the fun of preseason things, is you can make outlandish predictions and be completely wrong, or you can be dead on right. So... That's why it's fun, and that's why we do it, because creating conversation, creating dialogue, back-and-forth chit-chats, it's all good stuff. So those are the nine National Lacrosse League teams, their players, the in-and-outs, in a little preseason prediction. And I want to, like, maybe we'll do this next week. Um, We'll do it next week. We'll do MVP, leading score, and all those things. Another prediction thing that I've never been right on, but I like to make it as well. So let's do this. Until we speak in a week's time, send me your predictions for regular season standings, your MVP, scoring leader, top defender, top rookie, and top goaltender. Teddy.jenner at gmail.com or on Twitter at off the crossbar. 
And before we get going, one last thing. Uh, on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, the Philadelphia National Lacrosse Club will finally have a name and a logo. There will be a press conference. You'll be able to watch it live, I believe, on NLL TV. And that will kind of round out the expansion talk for the year because I don't think we're going to see another team added now. I think we're too close to the start of this season and too close technically to the start of next season for Nick Sakevich to be happy with giving time for that new club. Obviously, San Diego and Philadelphia have had some lead up now. Um, we've known about them for a few months, so they've got some headway. But if you add a third expansion team, that window and that runway leading up to the 18-19 season becomes shorter. And I know the commissioner wants to give those teams as much lead-up time as possible. So I don't see a third expansion team happening. But what is expected to happen in December other than the start of the season. Uh, according to Ashley Dabb of the National Cross League, we will have some sort of Hall of Fame announcement. Don't know what it's going to be. Um, apparently the process of voting, it's either the process of voting or the process of getting in um, is being vetted. So they're trying to change things. And it'll be interesting to see how that all comes about. Again, we don't know what the process is, but we are slowly running out of time to induct a class of 2017. But according to Ashley Dab, that's coming in December. So we'll keep you updated on that. And next week, it will be opening weekend week. And then we'll try to reach out and get somebody from the CLA and have them on the show um, we will reach out to as many people as we can and get you set up for the start of a brand new lacrosse season. Legitimately, I'm excited. What I'm not truly excited about before we get out of here is traveling home from Denver on Christmas Eve. Um, Denver is a lovely city, a beautiful city. But in December when there's snow, that airport can be an absolute mess. And I just want to get home to see Santa Claus. So, we still got time for that. Until then, uh, thanks to Andrew McBride for stopping by and chatting all things Roughnecks with us. Um, again, next week, we'll try and have an update on the CLA fiasco, and we'll have a very special lacrosse guest from somewhere in the lacrosse world to talk lacrosse with you and me. And that's what we do. Until next time. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We will talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other. Now.